Hey folks, Mark Reed here, one of the pastors at Open House Community Church. Thanks so much for joining us on the Open House Podcast. We're a church inviting people to belong and believe in the person of Jesus, be transformed to become more like him, and be a part of building the kingdom of God here in the city of Bristol. If you're dropping in for the first time, do get in touch through our website, openhousecc.co.uk, or drop us a follow on our Instagram at openhouse.cc. Hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast. Um, thank you, Jesus, for Steve. And thank you for his commitment to your kingdom coming in Bristol. And we pray tonight that we see that even more as we hear these words. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Um, I'm really lost. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm with you now. Yeah, I get you. Thanks, Mark. Hi, everyone. Thanks for the backing. Um, Right, just to say straight away, I will be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 at some point. Please do make me feel good about it, and even get it on your phone app or your Bible with you. just makes me feel better about life when we get the Bible open, Um, and it's just good for you to see what we're reading kind of firsthand. Um, And we'll jump, I'll jump around a tiny bit, but generally... That sums it up really well. Um, Yes, uh, on youth as well, um, on Friday night, we're going bowling. So if you know anyone else who's up for that, let me know. Um, We're going to Hollywood Bowl in Cripps Causeway, which is good. Yeah. Um, Yes, so that was good worship. Thank you, guys. Beth, thank you as well. You smashed it. Should we give Beth a round of applause? She really did. I was at a, a, five, a five-year-old's birthday party just before I got here uh, from my daughter's class, and I met this Nigerian guy, and we got chatting. I invited him to church. Of course, I gave him one of my cards. Uh, my five, I mean. We've all got five to give out before Christmas. Come on, come on. Um, and it was funny, actually, because he talked about the worship, and he was like, yeah, I know, but you know, in England, it's a bit, you know? And he was like, in Nigeria, it's a bit more... Unless he's going to me, not like giving any words. And I was like, I know what you mean. I understand what you're saying. And we're working on it. And I was like, yeah. And I think he's going to come along, actually. Um, bless him. So that's really nice. He, he, he messaged me on WhatsApp after. So that's good. Um, yeah. Um, anything else I need to remember to do? Oh, yeah. Sorry about my performance during the words tonight. It was low at times. I just wanted to... I wrote that down to say sorry. Um, <laughs> it's actually they're taking notes to say sorry. Thank you. Who ever said that? Yeah. Um, what else do I need to say? Oh, and then last things. Dan, where are you? It's good to have you back, Dan. Yeah. Obviously, we don't feel sorry for you after like two weeks in Jamaica, but we did miss you, and it's really good to have you back. Bless you. And update from two other people. Imogen, I just want, she's not back yet, is she? Did anyone read her Instagram story the other day? It was ridiculous. She's walked to an end of a pier, which is like hundreds of meters long or something like that, gone in this like old like thing like castle thing that's got like a door and she goes in the door to go to the toilet because there is a toilet in there and then the door shuts and she realizes it can't open from the inside and she's locked in Greece in this thing on her own and it's pitch black with no lights on imagine that and then apparently she was banging and screaming and eventually a nice man came and saved her um that's an update from Imogen's uh, holiday <laughs> and 
Last update is Nick and Jan are in America. Um, theirs is a bit more spiritual and profound, so well done, Nick and Jan. Um, but no, they've actually been having great times of kind of family connection, some reconciliation actually for them, which has been really important. And it's just been a really special time, and they're only at the start of that kind of four-week thing. It's, I think it's like the first week or so. So it's just good as a family to know that that's what's going on in their lives. Um, so I just thought I'd pray for Nick and Jan especially. So, Lord, we do thank you that Nick and Jan have gone for this month of kind of like seeking you and, and, and making loads of connections in, in a spiritual sense in America. And we just pray, Lord, that you would bless their time there, that they would find out more of who you are, they would make greater connections with people, they would grow and they would um, get a greater sense of your purpose in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, tonight I'm talking about, ah, oh, April was supposed to put something on for me before I went, Mark, you wouldn't give it a go, would you? It was the slide that was up last week. Um, it will come up in a minute. So tonight we're talking again about moving out of the things of death and into the things of life. Talking about that part of, of your discipleship where actually you're trying to put to death the things that don't bring life and you're trying to live in the things that you were created to be and do. Um, and that's what we're kind of focusing on today. I do think this is really important, actually, because particularly at the moment in society, I think there is a big push on freedom. And actually, I don't think people get what freedom really is. And we have touched on this before, but freedom is a very interesting thing. I've been hearing to a lot of people talk about freedom lately because I've wanted to understand what it is and um, some people would say freedom is is split into two things it's being free from and it's being free to it's both oh, oh cool thank you so much mark so it's being free from something and free to something it's free to do something if you just have one or the other it doesn't quite work and then also there's the opposite way rounds of i'm free to do whatever I want. Is that actually complete freedom? Yes, but could there be a problem in that? Maybe, you know? And then I'm not free to do anything I want. That would be terrible, wouldn't it? But is it all bad to have limitation? And it's an interesting thing, freedom. Um, why? Let me just give a little thought of that, is when you go into what the Bible's talking to you about, it's telling you what pitfalls are. It's saying lawlessness is not actually freedom. It leads down some very ugly paths, to be honest. It is not the greatest place to be. At the same time, God is like, I want to release the captives. I want people to be free from bondage and slavery and all those kinds of things, whether that be physically, mentally, whatever that might be. That might be spiritually. He wants us to actually be free. There's another side to limiting yourself, which is, what if you were so free that you were free enough to give up your right for the sake of someone else like Jesus was. That's freedom. And a lot of people would say, I'm free to be whoever I want, aren't free enough to limit who they are for the sake of someone else, which is also a form of freedom, isn't it? That's a powerful, powerful thing to be able to do. Self-control, discretion, love. It's powerful. But also, are we free in who we are? Are we free in our identity in God? So we know we're loved. So we're free to be stupid and shout Jesus as loud as we can and feel like, I don't look stupid because I'm not stupid. You know, are you free enough to do it? Are you free enough to talk about Jesus to your friend or your work colleague? Or are you crippled, 
Do you have things to say in a voice, but actually you're too held back by your lack of freedom that you can't speak and you can't share this wonderful news that we have of Jesus. You can't share the message, but you want to. You do, don't you? I know everyone here wants to, but we want to be free. So what are you free from and what are you free to? When are you free to limit yourself and when are you free to let yourself go? Just ponder all of that in what you hear around you, because I'm just really aware that that is something that's going on around us today in society. Um, right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a little passage now from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, and I'm starting from verse 7, and I'm just going to read that. I'm just going to read it through, and I'm going to go through to verse 12. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that... The life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed or manifested in our mortal bodies. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Powerful, powerful, isn't it? That death can bring life. Also, just a little nugget there of what he's saying. He's saying at the end there, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. That's just a little thing there for a Christian. What Paul there is actually saying is he's saying, I've put to death my own selfishness. I'm living quite a harsh life, actually. And by me doing that, you're having a better life because I'm, I'm here sharing with you against all the odds. I'm putting myself out there. So because of the death in me, it gives life to you. And death and life, it's the simplest way to put it in terms of their extremes, but it's like your generousness. It's like a death to your finance, isn't it? It's like you could be like, oh, I've just lost 100 quid. So you've, you've had taken a deficit, but then that's put that into someone else's. And so you've given some form of life to them. I'm not just saying money's the only thing. When you're in a group of people and you give someone encouragement or you say... Do you know what, guys? I just want to say, you know, this person here, you know, I just, no, and I'll, I'll use it as a serious one. Beth, I just want to say that actually you bring life to me through what you do. I, I know enough about you now. I just hear Beth talking about how she wants to live this faith out and she's stepping out. And it seriously brings life to me. And it's her. And I hear her and she's going, oh, you know, why am I doing this? You know, she's, sometimes she's literally just like, what am I doing? She, she puts herself out there. But her doing that, she doesn't know, but it does something to me. It makes me go, oh, oh, what am I doing? Yeah, Beth's doing it. I'll do it. And that was why Paul said when he went to jail, he said, actually, me being in jail has had an impact. He said, me being in jail has given other people courage. Because when someone else is willing to go to jail, you suddenly go, oh, yeah. Okay, I, that person means it. And now I'm considering, do I mean it? And I do. I do mean it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to jail for someone else if I have to. I'm going to put myself out there. I'll take the death so that someone else can have life. 
Are you following me? Look at that, death and life. Jesus said, I'll go to the cross. Why? For the joy that was set before him. The joy that it would give life and life and the fall to all of us. So he said, I'll take the death because then I'll get the resurrection. Both come hand in hand. Both come hand in hand. Which is why I personally don't like talking about... I like talking about Christmas and Easter together, actually. You know, when we do Christmas, I always like to be like, yeah, but, you know, Jesus was born, but then he, he came and then he died and he rose again. I, I don't like to just stick at baby Jesus. I'm like, look at what he did. Anyway, that's a, that's a random thing that I'm talking about. Um, so, what is death? What is life? <clears throat> Let me help you out. So death, I think you could probably put it into some categories to help you. Um, in 1 John 2.16, it says, it talks about the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You ever heard of that? Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. I think they're good category summaries for the different things that hold us back in our journey of death to life. Lust of the flesh. All my days, I struggle. Lust of the flesh. I Honestly, even when I take all the personality type questions, they literally say, you're going to have a nightmare with this one. But think like food for me in high quantities and just things that are like about high experience level and indulgence are like the thing. It's just hard for me. Oh, my days. It is difficult. And not only is it a quantity, but I'll eat it quick. It's gone. Like I sat with a friend the other day and we got two cakes and we split them in half and I ate my two halves before he'd eaten one bite. I was like, oh no, what am I doing? Because for me, that is, oh, it can get me. I have to really think about that. Anyone, who's is, put your hand up, is that your one, do you reckon? I mean, I could give the other categories, but that gets me. It, Mark, yeah. Sorry, sorry. No. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. What it is, is me and Mark sometimes go to Lidl, and it's not a good... We should send April and Abby. It shouldn't be us, because it's just like we buy way too much. Because it's like the lust of the flesh is going on, and then suddenly the lust of the eyes kicks in. And you're like, yeah, how many people are there? There's eight of us. Okay. Yeah, we all need, we need two chicken legs each. Yeah, but one of them's one years old. Yeah, but I might have a third. You know, it's just like, it's madness. It's madness. What am I doing? Um, it's his fault. No, it's not. <laughs> the lust of the flesh, food, stuff. Oh, TVs. I like TVs. I talk about them a lot. In fairness, my resistance is good. I haven't bought one yet. But I honestly, I just like good resolution TVs. I sometimes just walk around PC World for leisure. <laughs> I actually do. And I found out my eldest daughter is the same. So the other day, we just walked around PC World for an hour. Oh, it was brilliant. We had a great time. Oh, I love those high-resolution TVs. Um, I really, actually do really enjoy them. I just do. Lust of the eyes. Lust of the eyes. Wow. Okay, so what someone else has. Look what they have. I want it. Look what they, I want it. You've got a nice house. You go to someone else's house, it's a nicer house. I want it. I want it. Oh, covetousness. The lust of the eyes. Sex. The lust of the eyes. I know for guys, often guys in discipleship circles, they'll talk about the summer. They're like, the summer's coming. And it's harder. You girls are there dressed different. It's like you're driving along and you're like, I'm not even trying to look. But it's everywhere. 
That is a night. That is a, is a nightmare. It is. But do you have that changed heart that actually you can resist the devil and submit to God and he will flee for you? Do you have it? Do you have that life in you? The lust of the eyes. And then finally, the pride of life. Oh, the pride of life. Selfishness. Insecurity links with pride. Entitled. Offended. Offended. How could you say something rude to me? How could, how could you possibly, me, how, not the way I wanted you to say it, how, me, me, think about it, we struggle with that, what if we let people off, I'm not saying we shouldn't call somebody out every so often, I'm just saying what if we could let people off, Ooh, that's hard to do, especially when someone does the opposite of what I just did to Beth publicly. It makes you look stupid in front of everyone. You ever heard of social equity? You can nick someone's social equity or you can give them some of, their, some of yours. You ever had that? You ever had that in a group? You, uh, uh, this is more of a football circle thing. I don't know if it helps for other people. But sometimes I'll let someone, this is me being good, I'll let someone, I'll intentionally let one of the lads take the mick out of me in front of everyone who's not winning in any of the banter moments and then they get a little bit of, they've gained 10 points and they've taken me out a little bit. Yeah, do you know what I'm talking about? You ever done that? You ever done that? You know what I'm saying? And then have you ever given someone credit because you were like, oh, do you know what, this person, I'll just give them this one. I don't think they're good enough to actually get me with banter. I'm too good um, at it, you know. <laughs> and then you give it to them. You, say, you, you make a point. Say, John, send him here today. When you made that tackle, it turned the game. That's a football example, but in work, in your relationships, in your friendships, do you give credits? Do you have enough of your own that you, you have some to give away? Or are you just thinking about getting more credits for yourself? I've seen people, I've seen people in churches make friends with all the people. Oh my, I have seen it. It's hard. I have seen it. Work, that happens, doesn't it? And you, you can see it, can't you? And it's hard. And then sometimes you do it. And you think, oh, the pride of life. To be someone because you think you aren't. Oh, pride of life. Oh, it so gets us. And it generally comes from insecurity. It comes from a, a poverty mindset. Um, that kind of sense that I don't have enough. I gotta get it. Jacob in the Bible. There's your guy. There's your guy. Read his story. He's using deceit to get more. He's saying, I need more. I'm not going to be okay. I don't know if God's really going to pull off this blessing thing he's got for me. I've got to get something. And Jacob's name was deceit. That's what it means. Powerful stuff. There's death glaring you in the face. And that's what we're looking at here in the middle section. How can we get rid of death? We're going to look at it in the coming weeks, but we've got above. We've got to know God and for, him, um, and for him to know you, to fall in love with him and fall in others. And over here, we've got identity in the cross and in the fact that you were made in his image. And we're going to come to that in the coming weeks and just build that in ourselves so we know who we are. I don't need to get credits. He got me some. I'm fixated on this verse in Romans 9, 9.16 it is. And it says, it is not by the desire or effort of man, but it is by the mercy of God. Oh, what an amazing verse that is. That has got me right now. That's got me. Life. What is life? Jesus said, I came, John 10.10, 10, 
to give you life and life in the full. They talk about, um, I've got a digital clock down here so I know what the time is. Um, they take the mick out of prophetic people, don't they? Because they're like, it's not a digital clock. It's a portal into Bible verses divinely given to you. You know those people are like, I just looked at the clock. And every time I see it, it's John 10, 10, 10, 10. You're like, no, it's just 10 past 10. No, 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 no. You don't understand. Um, and then they're like, oh, no, it was, it, was, it was 22 minutes past 10 at night. It was 22, 22. Well, what's that? Oh, he's giving me the keys to the kingdom. The key of David in Isaiah, I believe that is. But life and life in the full, what is it? Well, first of all, it comes from who life is. Who is life? Him. That's your starting place. If ever you don't feel life, you do not need to be confused. Go and be alone with God. Just do that straight away. There it is, right there. Go and be with the very being of life. Life is so important. We could say, and it would be smart to say, you could say, what is the, what is the greatest thing on earth other than God? I understand God, but what is the greatest thing we have? And you could say life, um, love, couldn't you? But it's actually, I think that love and life are actually on an equal par, actually. I think you can't have one without the other. I, don't, I think that they're an endless circle of connection, love and life. Does that make sense? You can't have love. Yeah, but you can't have love if, if someone's not alive. And you wouldn't have life if there wasn't love, because love breathes life. I don't know, I just dropped that on you. But love and life, boom, right at the top. Life. What is it? Well, first of all, it is him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Okay, you got me there? So everything I'm talking about, Jesus is that. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, there's life. Let me look at some manifestation of life. First one, Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. There it is right there. There it is. Do you honestly have peace in your heart? <laughs> what did it say? Sorry, Kate, I've really outed you there. Well done. Just like the doorbell. Good. Um, fruit of the Spirit. Do you have peace? Do you have joy? Do you have patience? You can only have patience if you have faith, you know? Do you have these things? Do you really have it? I was talking earlier about being able to limit yourself. Do you have self-control? Oh, my, self-control. Oh. The other night, I really did feel like God was calling me to pray. And I just, I'm enjoying this game at the moment that I used to play when I was younger called Command and Conqueror. Anyone ever played that on the PC? What a game. What a game. Red Alert. Anyone remember these games? These are old school games. Do you ever get that? Just, just the simplicity of this, being cool to God and you can feel it and then there's something else you want to do. Whatever that might be. You ever had that kind of, oh, you know. Sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. I don't like that. I want to win every time and go to God. Do you know what I mean? I'm just going to admit it. Sometimes you don't win out in that little battle. And we should, shouldn't we? We should. But I'm just saying it happens. But the fruit of the Spirit. And I say that first because another outworking of life is the gifts of the Spirit. But. If you have the gift of the Spirit and you don't have the fruit of the Spirit. You're in major trouble. And you don't know it because life looks good for you to some level because you'll look a bit profound. But my days, go and meet with Jesus. You're in danger. Trust me. Get to life. Get to who you were made to be. And it is right there. 
if your gift of the Spirit is your highest commodity, oh, run a mile. Because if you can prophesy or heal someone, God, people will let you off. An example of that is, you're seeing in life people that are often very talented at different things. Let's just take spiritual gifts out of it. Let's just say you're talented at something. You're very smart at school or you're, you're this or that. You'll get let off the hook. You often see this with mums and sons, actually. Um, you get a really talented son in whatever he's good at, and the mum's kind of like a bit overawed by the son. A bit like, oh, my son, he's so amazing. Maybe they're good looking and good at football and smart at school. Let's just say that, yeah. And they're a bit overawed by it. But because of that, they're not actually maybe challenging that son in the simple things of life like they maybe should. And then that son goes so far, but there comes a point where people don't let them offer their gift and who they really are gets shown because they haven't developed them. They're all gift. Are you, are you following me? You've seen that before. You know what I'm saying? So be real. You, be real. Okay? Those things will actually pass away. It says prophecy will cease. But I know a greater thing love it will never go away so connect with that okay what is life righteousness seek first his kingdom and his righteousness right living brings life right living brings life i personally like to break up right living into there's lots of things actually i'm just going to give you a no i'll just do a couple because there's too many i really like orderliness Orderliness is profound in right living. It is seriously profound. It, it changes people's lives. Orderliness. We don't think, we think that that's not the thing. We think it's the second one that I really like, which is also profound, which is creativity. But if you have both of those, you'll do very well. I would even go as far as say, you need both. You need both. But how many times have you seen someone who's amazing and creative and blah, 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 but they just can't quite get it together? And it doesn't work out for them over and over again. Do you know what I'm saying? And it just doesn't quite, it's like they're a seed that keeps getting planted, but it just can't quite, oh. Orderliness and creativity coming together, right living in the order of God. He's both creative and orderly. Look at him in Genesis, so creative, so orderly, both at the same time. He's got it all going on. Are you creative and are you orderly? Yes, you are. Do you want to go higher in those things? Yes, you can. Let's do it. Let's believe for it. The last thing I think, life, and it was the first thing I said, but I want to go back to it again, is in relationships. It is in relationship. And obviously that is with God first, but also there's that relationship with people. Do you have life in your relationships or do repeated patterns play out in your relationships? Think about that. Think about your life. Do repeated patterns come out? What's happening? Why is that happening? I don't want that to happen in my life. You don't want that to happen in yours. What is it? But relationships are a source of life. And being able to have good ones that are consistent. Oh, that's life-giving. And that's what we were made for. Because the greatest two commandments are love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Relationships, there's some life. Fruit of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12. Seek first his kingdom and his right living or righteousness and relationships. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor. Amen. So, 
there's my kind of wah on life and death. And I might just give you a couple of wacky stories for fun. And then I'll end. Um, but we're focusing on this at the moment, and I just want to emphasize, I know there's a load of boxes of areas that we're looking at in this foundational discipleship thing, but they really are all interlinked together. Did you hear what I was saying, actually? It was like having the self-control in the death to self and living in the fullness of life so that you could go and pray down the bottom here and meet with God at the top. Having the identity so that actually you can go and make disciples and share the gospel because you're free enough to do that. Or whatever it might be. Are you free from stuff and are you free too? Okay, funny testimonies. Not funny, they're not funny. But they are a little, I've got a really cool one that I like. I don't know if I've actually said it here before, so I'm sorry if I have. Um, but for me personally, what have I seen in my death to life journey? Many things, but I thought I'd just give a couple of, couple of simple ones. I do talk about this sometimes, but I just keep doing it because it's important. Porn is a really great thing to overcome. It's really good to do that. How does that help you from death to life? Porn can give you a debased mind. Uh, it kind of is in there and it can keep snapping in at different moments. And then that just affects your ability to meditate with God in the everyday. It affects your relationships with people. You can kind of get that, boom, when you feed in that. And then move off that and just go into negative thinking. Just that alone. So that's always in there, actually. Or you're probably not free to be a prayer, probably. And I also think porn, it can block you from prophecy. For a couple of reasons. One, that can come in there and cloud your, your prophetic mind, your purity of thought for God to speak into. But two, when it comes in, you feel a little bit dirty, and then your conscience feels a little bit awe, and you feel a little bit less faith-filled, and a little bit like, I'm a child of God, and he really would speak to me, because you feel a little bit dirty, and so it's a brilliant thing to get away from, if that's something you struggle with. Go and talk to someone. We're not here to judge. We're here to love. We've all been there. Not everyone, but most. Um, so that, that's, that's an important one. I've seen an amazing thing in my life through that. I couldn't recommend fighting that enough. Um, and I'll just give one more testimony, which is funny. And this is about what it's like to move from death to life as a non-Christian. And just, this is a, a bit of a bonkers story, but it does give a nice clear message on that. So when I, I, I got saved, and I, I didn't get saved until I was about, just about to turn 21. So I really had lived some life. I'd been proper naughty and I had as much fun as possible. And obviously that fun caused loads of death as well. So it was fun. I did have a lot of pleasure, but I had loads of chaos and bad stuff happen as well. So like, it was not a great time, trust me. And I was borderline depressed because of it. But I get saved and I'm used to Every Friday night, every Saturday night, we're out. I spent 100 quid, and it was unbelievable. Do you know what I mean? It was like, it was good, you know? And then you become a Christian, and they're just a little bit boring. <laughs> and you get to a Friday, Saturday night, and you just think, oh, it's all right. I remember I got saved, and it was literally like the week before. It was the week between Christmas and New Year, I think. And... Um, I then went to like a Christian New Year's party like two days later because I'd lost all my friends for turning Christian, which is quite a bonkers scenario. But I had lost all my friends and they all just thought I was crazy. And I, I then had to go to this Christian New Year's party and it was just a bit dull. 
I did. It was boring. I, it, it was, you know. They just want dancing and like, you know, and it's not that Christians can't dance, but these particular ones were not doing that. And it wasn't very fun. Anyway, so that was the kind of, that was a bit of an entry point for me as a non-Christian. A bit like, oh, you know, like the Nigerian guys say, he was like, oh, in England, a bit, oh, you know. It's like, yeah, I get you, man. You just want that little bit of life, bit of joy, you know, and that we should have this. We should, and we can. And I think we really do have something here in that. But I remember a few years on, I was, I was lodging at this person's house who was also a Christian. And I, was, I, was, I was actually talking to her about this problem. And I said, I need more. I, I need more. This isn't enough. It's just, I need, I need more, God. It's just, oh, no. Oh, and I moaned, honestly, for like two hours, just like that. And in the end, this lady just got a bit annoyed with me. And, she, and I, this is when I lived near Portsmouth, right near the beach. And she was like, oh, I've had enough of you. And it was quite late by this point. She was like, go down the beach. I'm not talking to you about this anymore. And I was like, fine. So I, I, I drove down the beach five minutes away. And um, sorry if I've told this story. I don't know if I have. And there was a, you know, in the beach, you have those things where you have a load of stones going into the sea. Um, you know what I mean, the breaker things. So I was like, right, I know what I'm going to do. It's one o'clock in the morning. I said, I'm going to stand on one of those stones and I'm going to shower God. That's what I'm going to do. I'm shouting at him. I won't tell you what I said. I didn't sweat. I'm not saying that. I just, I'm going to shower at him. And I looked around on this stone to check there was no one there. It was one in the morning and there was no one there. Great. And I just look up and as loud as I can, like Mark told us to do tonight, I just shouted at God. I really shouted. And as soon as I did it, this unbelievable feeling of awe and the fear of the Lord hit me hard to the extent that I I went down. I literally fell to the floor on this rock. And I was like, I was actually really shaken. I really was. And then I was there, and I, it's hard for me to explain this. I understand. But I suddenly knew, and it will make sense at the end, I just knew I was surrounded by loads of angels. I mean, like, a lot, in a circle, all the way around me. Like, maybe 200. That was the, it's hard for me to explain. I could explain it to you, but it would take too long. And I was like... What is happening to me? This is quite an experience. And then I just heard this whisper of God say, get up, go home, and go to bed. Okay. <laughs> I got up, and I'm, I'm actually, honestly, I'm a bit shaky. Get in my car, I drive home. Now it's really late at night, I've got work in the morning. I walk in the house. Um, uh, a, uh, there was a kid living in the house as well, like a, like a 10-year-old boy. He, he got up to go to the toilet as I got in. I was so scared. I went, oh, and like nearly fell over when he just came out of his room because I was just so shaken as an individual. I went to bed. I barely slept. I was really like, oh, it's like cold. Like, what has happened? That was quite an experience. And um, I go to work, and no one knows what's happened to me. Not a soul. I haven't told anyone. So I, I get to work. I'm working in a, a building warehouse selling plastic supplies of like guttering and stuff. And there's this guy there called Lee who wasn't a Christian, but he is now. And I say, Lee. You never guess what happened to me last night. And I tell him this story. And he's like, that is a weird story. That is weird. And I was like, I know, it sounds nuts. Anyway, I go about my day. And that afternoon, I'm having lunch. I get a text message from my small group leader, a girl called Amy at the time, married to a guy called Ben. They're a bit older than me. And um, she sends me this text message the day after. Hi, Steve, comma. Were there angels with you last night? Question mark, Amy. What? I'm like, what? 
So I ring this girl up, and I'm like, why did you just say that to me? She was like, I have this weird story. I was like, no, I have this weird story. And then I did what you would have done, and I said, you go first, because I thought, I'm not, I'm not stupid, you know. <laughs> so anyway, she says, I'm in my room last night. Ben, my husband, was asleep. Lights were on, it wasn't dark. She said, I was just praying to God. God, I really do want to sense more of your presence. I want to know you more, you know. I feel like her, her story's a bit more holy than mine. Anyway, you know, she's oh, I love you, God. And then, and then she said, and then I felt the presence of God so strongly upon me. And she said it was so strong that after about five seconds, she actually said, stop, I, I get it. I can't do it. I cannot handle it. She actually asked him to stop. And I got what she meant. I was shaken to the core. And then she goes, and then I, I, I laid there in silence for a minute or so, and I heard this voice, this, this small voice just go to me, Amy, there are angels in the room with you right now, and they are also with Stephen. And I said, when was that last night? She went one o'clock in the morning last night. That is a weird story. I often tell non-Christians that, and they're like, well, you know, coincidence. I'm like, oh, shut up, come on. That's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous story. But it did come out of a pursuit of God, and God gives us that pursuit. It is God that gives us the will and the desire to do what pleases him, moving us from death into life making choices we wouldn't make without God. But with his spirit and his word, we can make those choices in relationship with him. Are you with me? Great, let's do that then. Okay. <laughs> Mark and team, if you could make your way up soon. I was just going to pray for everyone, and I thought we could, Mark's just making himself a quick drink. And I thought, I thought this, this is what I wanted. I thought, it doesn't matter if you're being called into life or death. They're one and the same in, in many ways. Because if, if God's saying something in your life needs to die, it will lead to life. Do, do you know what I mean? And if at the moment you feel like he's saying to you, there's this life in you that I've given you and you're not fully embracing it, there'll be a little bit of death in there and you might have to, there might be some consequence of that. You might have to give something up or this or that or whatever it might be. But for you, it might be two things. It might be one of each. What's the death and what's the life right now? Every day. We die. We put to death the things in us so that we might be partakers in the life and resurrection of God. What is that for you now, right now? And every day you can live like this. God, what is it now, today, in this moment? Let's pray. Are you with me? Let's do it. Um, worship, guys. If you would come up, that would be amazingly helpful. Thanks again for joining us on this episode of the Open House Podcast. Do go ahead and like, follow, subscribe and share around and get in touch with us if you want at openhousecc.co.uk or openhouse.cc on Instagram. I pray the Lord bless you, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face toward you and give you peace this week. See you again.